The quote we have for today is, The trouble with most of us is that we would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. Norman Vincent Peale. I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is God's Wisdom for Today, a weekday live broadcast series from the book of Proverbs. Just like a proverb, this show is a short, wisdom-packed nugget of truth teaching us how to live our lives well. The book of Proverbs is an invitation from God to step into the wisdom of God. It is a very practical roadmap for developing the skill of living. Let's dive into episode 34 today, and we're going to take a look at Proverbs 2, 16 through 19. We're going to look at it in two translations, talk about the language and the meaning, and connect it to our lives by questions. But before we get started, let's pray. Father, I ask you to have your hand on this broadcast today. I pray that you, Spirit, would open the scriptures to our understanding and to our knowledge and to our action, that we would respond in whatever way that you are drawing us to response and that that would make a change in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read you the CSB and the NLT today. The CSB says, It will rescue you from a forbidden woman, from a wayward woman with her flattering talk, who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her. None reach the paths of life. The New Living Translation says it's this way. Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. She has abandoned her husband, ignores the covenant she made before God. Entering her house leads to death. It is the road to the grave. The man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the paths of life. Before we dive into these verses, I want to give you a reminder of the overall picture of where we are. This is a father telling his son in these passages about two temptations, saying discretion and understanding will save you from these two temptations. The first that we talked about in the last two days was evil men. Today, we are talking about a temptation from evil women. The ESV study notes say, following the description of the wisdom that the Lord grants in verses 9 through 11, This section gives three statements of its purpose. It delivers from the deception of those on the evil path. That's what we talked about for the last couple of days. It delivers from being flattered into unfaithfulness, today's words. And tomorrow we talk about it directs one instead to walk in the way that is both true and good. So we're talking about the temptation of a woman today. And these verses call her forbidden or immoral. The literal language is strange woman. Now, strange in the sense of belonging to someone else, not your own. The New American Standard Version translates it as adulteress. The word often refers to something that is morally estranged from God or his covenant people, describes this woman as outside the framework of the covenant community. In Isaiah 1-4, the same word describes the sinful nation of Israel as, quote, turned away from God. Henry Morris writes this. The quote, strange woman, or another phrase that's used in translations is alien woman, is named as such no less than 10 times in Proverbs. So we're going to see this again with both literal and figurative applications. Foreign women with different gods and moral standards than those of Israel often led God's people into sin 
including Solomon himself. And you can find that in 1 Kings 11, 1 through 8. This situation also represents spiritual adultery, with the Israelites not only consorting with strange women, but also worshiping strange gods. This is suggested in the next verse that talks about forgetting the covenant of her God. So what kind of a woman is she? She's a flatterer from verse 16. Verse 17 says she is unfaithful to her husband. Verse 17 also says that she may have a religious background, but is backslidden. Verse 18 and 19 say she offers a taste of life, but delivers death. The Hebrew word used to describe an adulteress in many places in Proverbs is equated with foreigner. It's notable and kind of incredible, actually, that all of these uses are in sections of Proverbs that are attributed to King Solomon. And then he proceeds in his later years to seek out these very women. Now, that truth right there should frighten us. So let's talk about her tactics a little bit. Warren Wearsby says, If the evil man uses perverse words to snare the unwary, this is what we saw in verse 12, what we've seen in the last couple of days, the adulteress uses flattering words. Someone has said that flattery isn't communication, it is manipulation. It's people telling us things about ourselves that we enjoy hearing and that we wish were true. The 1928 Noah Webster's Dictionary, we're going to go way back, 1928 Noah Webster's Dictionary has a good definition of flattery. It says it's to please a person by applause or favorable notice, by respectful attention, or by anything that exalts him in his own estimation or confirms his good opinion of himself. Her behavior is sexual advances, but not only sexual advances. She's also dragging someone down with her by her words. She's breaking covenant. Most likely the context of this is a marriage covenant, which is also a covenant with God. The immoral man abandons his straight paths, whereas the immoral woman abandoned her lawful husband and the promises that she made before God. So what are the results? We have verses 18 and 19 that says, For her house sinks down to death, and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her. None reach the paths of life. James 1, 14 and 15 say, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So let's talk for a moment about the word none and go. The word go is a verb in the present tense in this situation, and it describes this going not as an occasional lapse. So this isn't a one-time mistake. This is a lifestyle, a habitual practice. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 say, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's saying that their practice will ultimately lead to death. So what I don't want you to hear as you read none who return to her and none reach, that this is a one-time sin. It's not. It's talking about an intentional lifestyle. It's the same kind of evil or wrong as the man yesterday who looked at the right path and chose intentionally the way of darkness and delighted in evil. James said, sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Let me read you John Kitchen's description of sexual sin. The pull of immorality's vortex is nearly inescapable. When you walk through the door of sexual sin, it slams behind you and you soon discover that it is a door with a knob on only one side. 
While the possibility of repentance is always held out to the penitent, the nature of sexual sin is such that it blinds us to that possibility. The one who pursues this wanton lifestyle does not, quote, reach the paths of life. What is rationalized as a youthful side trip on sin's path is soon discovered to be an addicting course of life that is more than difficult to leave. The addictive power of illicit sex, pornography, and voyeurism is nothing to be experimented with. However, I will add, it is absolutely possible to have victory over sexual sin. If you are not involved in sexual sin, and a huge number of Christ followers are, a huge number, it's easy to dismiss these verses and chapters. But remember, no one is immune to temptation and sin. Even if you're not there now, you need to know and understand what the Bible says. All of the Bible is good for teaching, instructing, and training, and we need to be aware, especially regarding sexual sin, because there are a huge number of Christians that are losing their way in this realm. But if that's not you right now, is this just for information only? Let me suggest that the answer to that is no. There is an entire book of the Bible that uses the analogy of an unfaithful wife to teach us about our own unfaithfulness to God. No one is above a teaching on unfaithfulness. So let's ask ourselves some questions. How susceptible are you to flattery? And if you are, what would keep you from being swayed by it? And I have to ask this question. Are you involved in sexual sin of any kind? And if so, who will you reach out to for help? If you're not involved in sexual sin, how can you see unfaithfulness to God present in your life right now? And can you repent of that? If you want a place to think through the answers to those questions and write them down later or think through them longer and keep track of the things that you're learning as we're going through Proverbs, we send a free set of journal pages each Sunday evening in an email. If you want to be on the list to receive those, go to getwisdom.link backslash email. Getwisdom.link backslash email. As for me, I have been thinking today about how susceptible I am to flattery. I have to say it's always been a weakness of mine and not just flattery, but verbal manipulation. In general, verbal manipulation with the intent of emotional manipulation, not unlike flattery. And I think that stems from a need for approval. When I was a young Christian and I was in a Bible study with a group of girlfriends, we would get together once a week just for Bible study. There were two of us that would kind of constantly talk about the need to be rid of our need for approval from people. And I was young. I didn't know how to go about that. But I believe that if you have a really clear understanding of who God says you are, which is why my book is called that, and an ever-increasing love for Him, the need for other people's approval becomes far less important. So for me, avoiding flattery is mostly about knowing the Word and about loving God. The more I know truth and the deeper I love God, the more I will be interested in pleasing Him alone and not susceptible to the flattery of other people. How about you? What will you do with what you've learned today? Let's close in prayer. Lord, I don't want wisdom for my own success. I don't want it simply even to keep me from sin, although that's a good reason. I need it so that I can better know you and better love you. Because if I better know you and love you, I will be less susceptible to sin. But I also need it so that I can better love others and better live a life that honors you. So teach me the kind of wisdom that will turn my heart more and more like Christ each day. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank y'all so much for joining me today. If you found this broadcast helpful, I would love it if you would share it with a friend. Things are more fun. We grow faster when we have friends along for the ride. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode to round out the week, and I will see you then.